Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Where we are hot and bothered right now. Yes. By so many Baycocks. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> uh, we are, the we are, we, if, if we could be salty in this hot, hot atmosphere, we would be salty. I mean, I'm pretty sure we are all sweating enough to be very salty. I feel like it's one of those things like you sweat, but it immediately evaporates because there's literally like open lava in this room. So it's hot. Maybe. It is hot, hot, hot. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, we are back once again. Episode 195. Inching our way up to the big 200. 200. 200. The 12. The 12. Yes. The 12. The 12, apparently. The for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't either. So we're supposed to jump back in. When last we had left the doorkeepers, they had made their way into the, uh, well, you kind of finished up with everything over in the west wing of the Crypt of Flame. Did not find the president. Uh, he might have been one of those 26 mummified figures. <laughs> you <laughs> then made your way back over into the east wing, played around with some perfume and all the rest of that stuff before going, well, this actually isn't a way to keep going either. And eventually returned back to the red door. And then brute force the door down because, yep. you know, that's just what you do when you're stuck. <laughs> brute force and an immovable rod. Yeah. You'd uh, you'd had to shove the red door down into the uh, floor, at which point you'd stepped in and now you're dancing in the red room. Yeah. And upon entering, you had been confronted by the Nosferatu Inhotef, the Inquisitor of Sekhmet. Very cool guy, but also terrible. As well as his uh, three invisible buddies. We don't like them. We made some Although of them less invisible. all of them are invisible now, so Yeah, that. only one of them's invisible as of now. Uh, a fight then ensued, at which point there were spells cast left, right, and center. Uh, there was fear made. Much fear. Fear, various Baycocks uh, injured by various magical effects. Uh, although, actually, I think only light injury to two of them, or almost no injury to two of them, and one of them badly injured. And most of your attention seemed to have been focused on the Inquisitor, whose plan was not going to plan. Yep, good for him. He's on his back in yep. the lava. Take yep. Well, now he's well, invisible. He's, now he's invisible. Yeah, and then he got invisible, so yep. that's unfortunate. Jerk. After a brief uh, everyone running away and then everyone running back, it is now the uh, the collective doorkeepers once again in the the chamber of the Ruby Pyramid. That's descriptive and accurate. I suppose to get us back into this, you'd, uh, you'd entered in your fighting in a room, a pool of lava running the length of the chamber from east to west, hissing and bubbling lazily, and the floors of the circular spaces at either end of the pool are painted with red arrows. The alcove directly north of the entry door holds a crystalline pyramid, deep red in color, surrounded by glowing red moats and covered in hieroglyphs. Our little teaser there at the end was actually, you know, Inhotef flat on his back following being uh, stabbed repeatedly by backstabs or sneak attacks, more accurately. Backstabs stab, stab, no longer stab. a proper term. Stabby stabs. As well as various punches from Sudi had uh, called upon the power of Sekhmet smiling up at the uh, the monk of Phrasma and obviously pleased with the violence and, uh, and bloodshed that the, the group has enjoyed thus far. Even taking a beating, he's rather happy for, you guess, a break in the 6,000 years of boredom that he's been dealing well, with here. Yeah. We're going to find out who Sekhmet likes better, okay? It's clearly Sudi. <laughs> probably the Inquisitor who actually gets spells from her. I was going to say. Probably the Inquisitor. <laughs> yeah, definitely the Inquisitor who gets divine spell casting from her. Yeah, Sudi hasn't converted yet. We just that always is. think about Sudi with Sekhmet because he's Well, a that's because he is well, like, I, it's one of those, like, I, it's the inherited religion, you know, of uh, his family yeah. is Sekhmet. Yep. Okay. So go ahead and cue up a little Sirenscape here. Sirenscape. Uh, his name is Shrek. What? What? Who? The actor who played the original Nosferatu. I got it, Rick. Thank you, Heather. Okay, but you said Shrek, which makes me think of, th of Shrek. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Shrek, yeah, the immediate no, yeah. thought is giant green ogre. I don't, we're fighting a Nosferatu, and he said Shrek, so it's obviously an... Yeah, anyway, sorry. No. <laughs> Apparently, that was way too deep of a reference for half the pod to get at no, this moment. No, I know that Max Shrek is the guy who played the Nosferatu, yeah. but that is not where... First did the thing. No. No. I'll take that. <laughs> Somebody out there immediately went, I know what this is. <laughs> this was for them. All like right. Me. So uh, we had not finished, like Heather, we had not finished Inatef's turn. All right. I can still see him, but I can see uh, nothing. All we know is he turned invisible while on his back. 
Uh, so for Hollis's edification only, as she stares with paralyzed wide eyes. I hate it. Uh, Initef kicks up to his feet, uh, landing on his feet on top of the lava. And, you know, go ahead and take a, a quick shuffle back as he readies himself uh, and unbeknownst to any again, except for Hollis, as he continues to regenerate as his flesh starts to heal mm -hmm. back over from the various burns across him. Taking us from Initef to Citra Nahamra. You are invisible. There are two visible Baycocks. As you're facing towards Initef, one behind you and then one ahead of you. The one ahead of you is still stumbling back after getting blasted in the face by uh, Masika's shooty shooty sun hands. Sunbeam yeah. is the word sunbeam. you're looking oh, for the there. I'm looking for. Shooty shooty sun hands are great. What was the explosion guy? Combustion man. Combustion man, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to uh, snap my fingers and store my kukri. I'm going okay. to then draw my bow and shoot uh, at one of the Baycocks and hopefully get off this wasp swarm. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> I haven't gotten okay. to use that in a while. <laughs> yeah, your other kukri is uh, being clutched in, uh, I think, Hollis's paralyzed hand because I think it she lifted it indeed, up at some yes. point. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I am holding it. So that is what I would like to do. So yeah, reaction, you snap your fingers, store your weapon, uh, move action to pull your bow, grab an arrow, knock and fire as you shoot off an arrow across the distance at... Uh, are you shooting at the one that Masika already blasted, or are you shooting yes, at the other one? Yes, I am shooting at the one that Masika blasted in the face with a sunbeam. Okay. It cannot see you because it is both blind and you're invisible. <laughs> Rad. That's pretty great. That's going to work in our favor. Which is why I can't catch y'all in any of those beams, because uh, one, it's a lot of damage, and two, blind. Yeah, I don't want to be blind. And okay, you. Uh I roll an 18, which gets me a uh, 37. Nice. A 37 will strike your blinded foe as the bolt sails across the distance, arrow sails, sails across the distance and slams home. And I still get sneak attack on this, yes? It is within 30 feet of you and unaware of you. Hey. Nice. Yeah. Look at you guys using bows. Right? <laughs> bows are good. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been a, a long time a since I've had to A sign of the desperation of which we are in in this moment. Normally, I just fly up and stab you, but oh well. <laughs> but my bow All does right. this thing with the swarm. So that would be, with the sneak attack, 33 points of damage. Ouch. A solid hit. So that is a two plus two rounds, so four rounds uh, that the wasp swarm appears. So it's nice. be there for four rounds. And unlike bees, they don't die when they sting. Nope, they mean. They mean. They sing, sing, sing. I have to look up the wasp swarm and find out how much damage they do. Some amount plus poison, but it's immune to poison because it's I undead. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yep, so the arrow sails across the distance, slams into him, uh, rocks back, at which point the arrow basically just disintegrates into the swarm of wasps <laughs> that begin to surround him on every side. I believe they uh, do their damage immediately. I believe so. Yep, up here around the target attack yep, is immediate action, action, so that will be an additional 2d6 points of damage Dang. as they begin to buzz. And I figure since, you know, I'm sneak attack, I can still sneak attack with the bow, correct? Yes. Yeah. Bewilder and disorient, I guess. Correct. You can bewilder and disorient. <laughs> Just add <laughs> even more penalties. He's blind, bewildered, disoriented. <laughs> Covered in minus bugs. Minus two. <laughs> minus two to me, minus six to everyone else. This guy's having a bad yeah, day. Opposite. Track that and reverse it, because it's minus six to you and minus two to everyone else. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you fully Willy Wonka that. <laughs> the, the stinging, that would be five points. All right. So five points of damage as the bugs go crawling all over him into his mouth. He doesn't seem to care. Ew. Yeah, uh, he's covered in bugs. Well, he's undead. What does he care? Mm -hmm. That's true. And he is, of course, immune to their poison ability. So. Unfortunately. Oh, well. From Citra, you do have a five-foot step left if you'd like to take it. Uh, you know what? I'll go ahead. Oh, no, I can't because that's lava. Uh <laughs> I mean, you could step into it if you so wish. No. I think I am going to hold my ground where I am. Taking us from there to Hollis. Hollis, you are no longer paralyzed. <gasps> Yay! Hollis. Looks at like she has a rod in one hand. She has a dagger in one hand. You didn't take the dagger. She drops the dagger because she needs the hand. I'm going to start with a quicken bone shaker on the invisible, but visible to me, Baycock. Okay. They get a fort save. Fortitude save. I reach out with my bone fetish toward the invisible Baycock. They get a fort save. This is a quicken spell. So we'll see. Let's see if this keeps up with the uh, bone shaker never works and probably does. Well, I mean, I rolled average, but that's a 17. If that fails, uh, the oh, hey. is a 20. There we go. 
Um, First great. broken. Okay, then they, he can go directly in the lava. Yeah. Bye. Lava. So he springs forward, that lands on top of the lava. lava. Ever. Two. <laughs> no. Lightly burns his toe. And then he lands pirouettes on a single toe in the lava. I don't love that, but you know what? Whatever. Hey, you uh, that know was what? My quick he's action. down now, so that he's at least within range of me to hit him. So you can't that. see him. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's the invisible, invisible one. one. Dang it. Hollis thinks to herself, and then reaches into her handy haversack and pulls out a scroll of dispel magic for next turn. Uh, actually, no, that's a move action. So then I will cast dispel magic on. I really hate being paralyzed. I really hate that guy. Yeah, fine. I'll use it on the Nosferatu. Okay. Please do. Cool. So I probably have to roll pretty high. I have no idea what caster level the scroll is. Minimum caster level for a scroll to spell magic would be five. It's third level. All right. Well, this is going to be, we'll see how this goes. Okay. I'm going to roll a 19 on the die. Hey. Uh, that may not, that still may not do it, but that is going to get me a 24. A 24 will not succeed. As it runs up against whatever magic's there and then falters. Uh, I'm not going to waste the other one then. Anyway, that's my turn. All right. From Hollis, we go to this guy's blind and covered in bugs. <laughs> well, for, so the first thing he's going to do is fly, just kind of step away. Let me just go ahead and roll a D8. He'll choose a direction. Actually, he knows where the party is, but he doesn't know where these bugs are. Actually, go ahead and roll a D6 because he'd step away to one of the three squares that's away from all of you since he's blinded right now. So that is up as he bumps up against the wall on the far side of the area, stumbling free of the wasp swarm. Boo. He knew where Masika was, which is also where Masika still is. So he'll go ahead and uh, just open up fire. 50% All miss the chance. All the debilitations. All right. So we're starting with that is a, well, I mean, that's a 31 to hit to begin with. All right. So that's just going to be a miss. He follows that up with a 20. Three, which is just going to be a miss. Ooh, that is a good roll. Unfortunately, that is still only a 28, which will not hit Masika. Nope. Interestingly enough, though, you passed the 50% miss chance on all of those. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, not no. that last one. That last one was 50 even. So that, that last one would have missed regardless. Uh, from there, we go to Sudi Kantar. Okay. So I think we established in the last episode that... Um, our Inquisitor friend here has some boots that let it, are levitating him above the magma. He's not actually touching it, right? Or is he actually touching it? It was levitating above the magma. Uh, okay. Also, Rachel, right. if you want to bounce a D6 real quick and tell me uh, what you get. Three. Okay. I'll deal three points of damage to both those guys. Okay. Um, okay. So if he's levitating, then I can't make an ar any kind of argument. I was going to try an argument on whether I could tremor sense him. That gets into the argument of whether or not lava is a liquid or a solid. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hollis would be Both. like, he's ahead of you. Really not helpful. Um, okay, so the one that is directly, like the farthest one over to the right, how high is he? Is he still 15 feet up? He is hovering at a height of 15 feet. Crud. Okay. Both the two visible Baycocks are currently at a height of 15 feet. Both of the uh, both the invisible Baycock as well as the Inquisitor are at ground level or okay, lava level, the, whichever you prefer. And the, uh, <laughs> the blind one is at 15 feet, the one that got hit with the wasp swarm? Correct. All right, here we go. All right, here we go, guys. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Sudi is going to uh, move 10 feet over to the left. I'm then going to jump across the lava. Okay. So that I can then grow big and hit the paycock. <laughs> hit the paycock. <laughs> All right. So you're Having moving over. Having been informed that he was back there somewhere. Well, I mean, you can see the paycock. Well, yeah, I meant the the Inquisitor. Like he's back. He went back. Uh, somewhere in the back here. He's ahead of you, back there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. If I'm jumping across something, I start with a 27. I assume that's enough to jump this five foot lava gap. Yes. Sweet. I do that. I will get big, so that I can actually hit this uh, Baycock, and then I'm gonna punch him. All right, punchy punch. Fair. I rolled a two. It's a 26. A 26 <laughs> will hit the Baycock. <laughs> He's also debilitated. Excellent. Oh, yeah, yep. he's also debilitated. <laughs> We've messed this guy up something fierce. Yeah, we sure did. That is 15 points of damage to him. Another solid hit as you feel your fist impact with the side of this thing. Comes back covered in wasps. <laughs> it's fine. My, my skin is stone. Each of these ones can't even, like, dig in. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, I can't get them. From Sudi we go to uh, the previously controlled Baycock. who will go ahead and hover himself back five feet away from the lava. Fair. <laughs> yeah, he's going to open up fire on Hollis there. Yeah. Yeah, because honestly, 
Sudi's got like seven arrows sticking out of his back and they haven't paralyzed him yet. So. A big strong boy. That is a perfect 20 to hit Hollis. No. That is a Red threat. Red That's awful. That might actually land that. That is still a 25 to confirm. Oh, that lands on the nose. Oh, jeez. That's my new and improved AC, 25. As a times three critical, and I'll also need you to go ahead and make me a uh, fortitude save. Uh, oh, 20 in every dice. 19 again. Never mind. I'm probably not paralyzed. Oh, there we go. Like small victory. The 27. Take it where you can. And that's actually only 18 points of damage, uh, plus three points it. of negative energy damage. Haha. And what was your fortitude save? A 27. A 27 will save against the huh. paralytic effect of the arrow. He'll go ahead and take another shot at the wizard. That is not a perfect 20. That is, however, still a 35. I mean, uh. yeah, obviously. That is a threat because they have improved critical for their bows. Of course they do. <sighs> however, he follows. No, actually, that's. Well, no, that's against Hollis. Follows it up with a 24. That fails. Uh, still, I'll need a fortitude save. All right, that's a 16 for a 24. 24? All right. Yes. You are not paralyzed. You okay. do, however, still take 10 points of regular damage and five points of negative energy damage. Okay, all right. Third arrow. I'm going to kill this Baycock. No, that's only an 18. Ha -ha. And rapid shot. Rude. Rude. That rapid shot, however, is a 37. I mean, yes. Gracious. Not a critical, though. Striking for five points of regular damage, three points of negative energy damage, and I will need a fortitude save. As again, Citra, you can feel the whoosh of these arrows going flying past you, although, of course, they don't actually become visible until after they strike Hollis. Okay. 15 plus 8, 23. 23 will save as a third <laughs> arrow pops into your side. Again, one of those, like, slid right past, and, like, you can just feel, like, the critical hit grazing your lung as it punched through the side of your ribs. Feel a little blood, blood spittle up through your mouth. Hey, you, got, you showed some good fortitude in this moment, so. If this is the one time. That brings us to the next Baycock. I hate uh, all Citra, the Baycocks. go ahead and do your damage. Citra, hide me. I was trying. Six points of damage. She literally can't hide you as she's blocking its way, but it can't see her. I would like to take a reaction to cower in fear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Free action cower. All right. That feels like Sadly, a Sadly, there's, there's no stat penalty or stat bonus for cowering. I don't have anything to cower behind. Only I can probably be a debuff. You're a hero, okay. dang it. Masika has the highest AC. Hollis seems to have the lowest AC. Sudi seems to be somewhere in the middle, although he's now large. He's a bigger He's target. unaware that um, he's stony. Sudi's actually impervious to both the paralysis, paralysis effect and technically his AC goes up when he enlarges right now because of his ring situation because that's when you actually get the natural armor bonus, correct? No, I, sw I swapped him back. Yeah, he swapped oh. him back. So he, he can he be did. paralyzed. Oh, okay. I'll we'll go ahead and take a shot at Masika, Sudi, and Hollis in that order, and he'll save his rapid shot for whoever's left. Okay. Well, we'll see if he paralyzes. You know, first off, I don't think Masika really even needs to move against a 23. Nope. Hollis doesn't even have to Things move off the breastplate. Oh, there we go. For Sudi, however, that is a 35. Uh, yeah, that hits. That is a threat. Okay. So let's see if it confirms, and then we'll check the percentage. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it is going to with a 22. Nope. So uh, go ahead and make me a fortune save. Okay. 15 for a 35. And then go ahead and also take, it's going to be 12 points of regular damage and four points of negative energy damage. Okay. Keep adding those up. Another shot at Hollis. We're looking at a 26. Yes, that hits Hollis. It's another arrow goes selling straight past Citra. Thunking home against the wizard. I'll need a fortitude save. Hmm. They're just playing the numbers game at this point, eventually. We'll <laughs> see. I'm going to gonna find that DC. 13 for a 21. Still going. <laughs> uh, that okay. thunks home, however, for 12 points of regular damage and five points of negative energy damage. Oh. <laughs> Hollis is looking rough, it seems. Hollis is in single digits. Uh-oh. Yeah, and we'll go she ahead and take that rapid shot. Masika's still got those blazing hands of sunlight, so he's going to go ahead and take that shot at Masika since he missed it the first time. That is a 32 against the Oracle. Nope. As another arrow glances off Masika's armor, bring us to Masika of the Beckon. So, yeah, Masika's going to cast Firestorm, and uh, 
Blaze it up. Basically fill up that entire freaking area, just kind of around Sudi and everybody <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, I was going to say, please don't crisp Sudi in that. <laughs> so basically you're going to snake it around Sudi, cover the back alcove, and then snake it back around to the right from where the arrows have been coming at Hollis, okay. yeah. and then back around to the dude that you can see off towards your far right-hand side. Yes, and they need to make a reflex save. Okay. You could maybe curve it around the uh, the swarm if you want to, although I'm not sure if you're really concerned about the swarm. I, the swarm's no. useless at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, just crisp the swarm. It, Who cares? It served its purpose. You can yeah. get rid of the swarm. Reflex saves, you say? Yes, the DC is 26, just to make it easy. All right, the first Baycock saves. The invisible Baycock fails. The other visible Baycock fails. Inatef fails by one. All right, everybody that <laughs> failed is on fire um, and takes 69 points of damage. The one that yes! saved takes half of that. Creatures that fail their reflex save catch on fire, taking 46 points of fire damage each round until the flames are extinguished. <laughs> Extinguishing the flames is a full round action that requires a DC 20 reflex save. Yay. Whoa, Does that mean he's visible because nice. he's on fire? Like, is, uh, it doesn't like, matter, he's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the fire sears through the far side of the room. Uh, there is an explosion of dust from behind Sudi as the Baycock that uh, is stumbling blind and covered in wasps subsequently dies. Also, sadly, the thousand-something wasps that were magically summoned also die. One thousand one wasps? If you're a wasp lover. Uh, Inatef burns up, blasted off of his feet. God, he had so many <laughs> other cool things he could do. Uh, unbeknownst to all of you, 50 invisible bats explode out from him as he falls. <laughs> I see down. them. Yeah, he's going to be real confused when his sarcophagus is open in the room behind us. If that's a sarcophagus. Yeah, we I assumed it was. Is, but I think I think it is. What about the other two Baycocks? Another one failed, right? They're both injured, but they're still standing. Well, I mean, not that you can tell with the one that's invisible, but the other one's still standing. How badly hurt does it look? Eh, it looks hurt. And then I think that was actually the only the first or second thing that's hit it. All right. That's the end of Masika's turn. Okay. Uh, unbeknownst to all of you, although I imagine Hollis ducks as a swarm of oh, bats God. comes flying right over her as they go selling off down the hallway back behind you. Citra Nahumra. I will take a five foot step toward the uh, lava river that's bisecting this room to get a better view uh, of okay. the Baycock that is still visible, and then I shall shoot. All right. All he right. is within your reach by the Theorem of Pythagoras. <laughs> uh, I roll a 12 for a 31. That will strike your target. Not my best roll, but that's okay. As he is 25 feet away from you. So that is 33 points of damage. A solid hit as your first arrow slams home, striking him in the eye. All right. I don't think that one is going to do it, though. But it may, because he is uh, bewildered and disoriented, if I did not say so. So he has a minus six. Okay. But unfortunately, I only rolled a nine for a 23. A 23 will strike your target. Okay. He flopped with him. We'll just keep that bewilderment going. We'll extend its duration for an additional round. Yep. So that ends up being uh, 25 points of damage. Another solid hit as a second arrow slams in, striking through where his heart should be. Is he down? Nope. Oh, okay. Then I shall go ahead and shoot a third <laughs> he, time. He's trying to say the heart The heart doesn't exist. He's undead. Oh, okay. And he has the, no heart. All right. That's an 18 for a 27. Nice. nice. A 27 will hit your flat-footed, bewildered target. <laughs> All right. That sneak attack reduces his AC down by 13 when he is flat-footed and bewildered. That will be 39 points of damage. That will take him out as another arrow finds his other eye and the body topples down to the ground. All right. Citra's, like, getting some practice in. She's like, I haven't gotten to use this bow in a while. I just love the and lack of like... reaction from anyone at that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank you guys so much. We're just like, Jessica, yeah, that Jessica, to frown off over there. They're just... I'm thinking about my life. I'm trying to figure out my next move. <laughs> Me too. They're thinking so hard. No cheer. Well, they're they're probably just like, what is happening? There are arrows flying. Hopefully it's Citra. We're, we're, all, we're all sitting there and we're like, wait, the arrows are flying the wrong way. Wait, Citra? Hollis is, like... <laughs> very close to blocking out. She's yeah, doing her true. best to stand that's here. That's true. Yeah, Hollis is And formulate up. a plan for her next turn. <laughs> well, at least we're, we're down to one. And then there was one. From there we go to Hollis Starkweather. Alright. I think I'm not going to heal myself and I'm going to hide. But first, I'm going to free action, kind of drop my rod uh, on, away from the lava. Clatters to the floor. Pull. Falls into an extra dimensional space. A scroll of 
flesh to stone, and I will use that as a spell component for Parchment Swarm. Oh, fun! So essentially, I rip this magical scroll into tiny little pieces and send them flying in a swarm toward a target. Actually, it's a single target. Never mind. I won't use any... I'll just use a regular piece of parchment. Um, so I yeah, just pull one of the many sheets of parchment, parchment I keep for my daily deific such and such stuff. Okay. Tear that into a million little fragments and toss it toward this guy. He gets a reflex save. That is a 23. That will save. So they will take half, which is very sad for my life. But you know what? It's fine. Um, this spell deals 1d6 points of magical slashing damage per cast or level up to 15. So 15d6, they will take half. Tiny, tiny paper cuts. Death by a thousand cuts. If this kills him, it will be death by a thousand cuts. 43, so 21 points of magical slashing damage. Still standing. Hollis then, like, hobbles around the corner and out of this guy's (laughs) side. Hollis just like, good luck, everybody. I'll be back. I just, I can't. can't. If he hits me again, I can't. Stumbles out of the way. Barely able to navigate the five foot wide hallway with the, I think, I don't know, 11 she's, arrows she's sticking out of her. right now. It's fine. I have a lot of arrows. Too many arrows. You don't need any arrows? They're made of bone. <laughs> I believe in y'all. Also, it's invisible, but it's kind of in that direction, she says, without even pointing all the way down the hall. Sudi Kantar. Okay, I uh, this this is flying still. I have seen I the parchment I thought this one was swarm. on the ground. It's on the no, ground. It's but flying. It's, no, it's, oh. it's hovering. Oh, did it hover? Oh, yeah, it hovered yeah, so itself I, off I the lava. I can't use Tremor Sense to figure out where it is, but I did see Hollis just throw all those papers there and it form a vaguely, like, <laughs> true. you know. I mean, you saw the person. square that all the papers flew over is to Is that the hit. one that saved my spell? Yes. Oh, so he's that not one's on fire. Rude. That yeah. invisible one is rude. Um, all right. So Sudi is going to hopscotch over this because it's like five foot of, of land, five foot of lava. So he's going to hopscotch it to, uh, to stride over to base-based contact with this guy, and he's just going to go for an axe kick. So uh, he'll just be like, I don't know where it is, but eh, somewhere along this line. <laughs> he does a Very full well. drill team kick up and then all the way down. Oh, yeah, no, first yeah. off, first yeah. off, really cool, dr- like, really cool, like, one of those kicks where he just, like, his leg is just, like, next to his ear, you know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very well. 50% mischance also. 60 gets through the mischance. That is a 5 for a 29. 29 will just strike your target as you bring your foot down. Hey, it nice. It impacts into something. That is 15 points of damage. All right. That brings us to this guy. The Baycock. Jerk. Jerk. Since Hollis is no longer in there. <sighs> it flies after you, Hollis. That would suck. It's thirst for blood. It knows you're weakened <laughs> like a doe that's been shot in the bum. I'm Bambi's <laughs> mom over here. Shot. <laughs> I'm Bambi's mom. An arrow comes out of that is a natural one, which will automatically miss Masika. Okay. Ha. Oh, also. It takes it, damage. It takes two points of damage. Okay. It's uh, it's injured enough that it <laughs> could be a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And other than the one arrow that uh, Masika, you hear clatter somewhere behind you as it goes whooshing over your ear. No, that's it. Masika of the beckon. Oh, it moved. Yeah, that's a problem. And without Hollis, who knows? I don't where suppose it you is. have a glitter dust or anything. As you experienced when you last fought one in the outside in the open air, they are very fast. Quick, firestorm the entire place. I only on that have side. one. <laughs> oh. Quick, burn another, what is that, seventh level? It's like, yeah, eighth? seventh level spell. It's my eighth level. It's an eighth, eighth level spell for yeah. me. It's, like, it's a super powerful spell. <laughs> All right, Masika is going to skirt around the southern side of this lava pit. So I'm going gonna, gonna to think that it maybe tried to go further away. And I'm gonna channel to harm undead and hope I'll catch it in the radius. Nice. Okay. So you rush forward, you go ahead and channel. Yeah. Theoretically. Uh huh. Would a 20 save? Mine a 19. Yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and bounce your damage. 26, so 13. Citra Nahumra. You got, you're gonna have to be our eyes and cast the invisibility. I know, but I only have five of those scrolls. Well, we only have well, there's five four more places to go in this whole yeah. to- uh, tomb. I'm just going to be real mad if I use this scroll and it's like one hit. <laughs> well, I'm going to hobble back in there after my turn, but... Yeah, but we really need to be able to see this thing, so... 
All right, Citra is going to reach into her handy haversack, pull out okay. a scroll of sea invisibility, Move and action. cast it. Go ahead and roll your uh, use magic device. I only rolled a 12, but that's still a 31. What's the oh. cast level on this? I assume minimum. Uh, it, no, actually, it's a 12th level scroll. I did these high, so you'd have a lot of duration. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be a DC 32 for a 12th level scroll. I don't think it fizzles or anything. I think it just doesn't work. Okay, well, I tried, guys. Hollis, Starkweather. All right, Hollis is going to cast Cleanse on herself now that she's hiding over here. Uh, that lets her get 4d8 plus caster level. So I'm going to get back 27. And then Hollis will hobble back around the corner to see if I can see anything. Step back around the corner. Uh, yeah, you can see. I suppose Giant Sudi kind of hugging the walls. He starts to shuffle his way over there. Masika channeling off energy. Citra cursing as she's struggling with the scroll. Hmm. Uh, and a single uh, dead Baycock slowly dissolving in lava on the far side of the chamber. <laughs> oh, so he's dead. Oh, uh, yes. y'all killed y'all killed him. <laughs> he, he did. Oh, uh, oh, perfect. That means I didn't... Uh, I, I tried casting this, but it's a little bit more complicated than the other scrolls you've made me. Oh, yeah. Also, what happened to the segment guy? Oh, bats. Uh, he became bats and he went that way. Uh, she points uh, kind of over her shoulder. We should probably hurry. Yeah, we got to go deal with it. <laughs> Doesn't it like, is it like a minute later or? I, I don't remember. Let's go find out what we he thinks of this coffin. We asked last time. I can't remember. I think it's like, it, it takes a I few it's hours. One hour. Yeah. Cool. Let's go. Well, okay. we should get the pyramid. Sudi will just, I guess, shrink down, reach over and... Ah! You think that thing's <laughs> trapped? <laughs> oh, it's probably trapped. You're right. Uh, don't touch it until I get there. And even then, don't touch it. Sudi pulls out a sandbag. That's the way. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I have to run from the boulder. Prepares to make the swap. <laughs> also, the boulder's on fire. Citra would know. like to go over and detect for traps. <laughs> All right. Any of the rest of you have anything that you want to do in the meantime? Citra's checking for traps as she looks over the... Uh, as long as everybody's within 30 feet of each other, I'm going to channel. Cool. I'm going to try to loot the ones that are in, the invisible one, if I can reach it. Uh, you can check any of the Baycocks that you so wish, but none of them have anything of value. Ah, okay. Well, actually, with the exception of their bows. Well, then when Asferatu turns into bats, I think all his stuff goes with him, doesn't it? Yes. Um, technically, yeah. you find you find three plus one composite longbows, strength plus three. <laughs> okay. Pause for healing. All right, I am ready to stab a Nosferatu. Hey, Citra even made a stake. Oh, yeah, I we just picked up a rod. So are you going <laughs> after the Nosferatu, or are you checking the... Uh, we should... Sh the pyramid. If if our knowledge is correct and we think we have an hour, we have time to get this red pyramid thingamajig. I would honestly rather go back and stake the Nosferatu and uh, then That's come my back thing, is I'd rather this. stake it in case this turns into one of those, and then the whole thing collapses. <laughs> Can you even stake a bunch of bats? He'll, he doesn't, no, he, he returns to him. Yeah, he yeah. reforms in his coffin. They'll turn into mist or a bat swarm or a vermin swarm or whatever the hell they turn into, and then when they get back to their sarcophagus, they reform. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I'd rather just make sure that Osferatu is gone before. I mean, he's he's honestly the last opponent in here, and then, so I say, yeah, let's let's stake him. Yeah. That way we don't have to worry about it as potentially being wrong or him having some weird ability that means he comes back faster or who knows, you know. Okay. I thought I was already checking it for traps while y'all were healing. Yeah, we were standing here healing. Just walking over there, your trap sense does not go off. Just grab the thing okay. and let's go. It is five foot by five foot by five foot high. And oh, okay, weighs... it's heavy. Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah, it, it takes up the full square that you see uh, there. Oh, that's a different thing. JK. Yeah. Uh, let's go take it to the dust for us. Yeah, yeah, first. for sure. <laughs> All right, and then we may have to, like, well, probably detect magic and then probably crack it open like a giant I don't. It might be another puzzle. It might be another puzzle. You don't know. It might be a good time yeah. to use shrink object. <laughs> I only had one. I know. Sad. Shrink object also specifically does not affect magical objects. Oh, oh right. yeah, if it's this magical. Is magical. Yeah. <laughs> this is obviously very magical. I mean, it makes sense. Well, to make it easier on all of you guys, you walk back uh, out of this down the hallway, back across the giant lava pit with the force wall, uh, pull the lever that takes you back into the chamber with the uh, the perfume, this sacrificial uh the Shrine of Offerings, where you left his sarcophagus, <laughs> and find him resting in gentle repose inside of the sarcophagus. He was so confused. His, his hands steepled over his chest and the, the little teeth, his front two uh, incisors poking out into his uh, his lower lip, much like the Nosferatu. Stab him. Yeah. It's a strength check, isn't it? 
it's literally just a four-round action to ram a stake through his heart. Oh, great. Uh, however, he will return back to life if the stake is removed, unless his head is chopped off and then covered in holy water. Oh, well, we can easily do that. You have one, don't you, Sudi? Yes, I do. Oh, well, that's right. I will mark that holy, holy water off. I'm assuming that you said about the grisly work of uh, chopping his head off. Yep. I guess leaving that to Citra because she's the only person in the group that uses, like, bladed weapon. So she can pull out her scimitar, which is a little bit easier than using the kukri. Yeah, otherwise I'm using a dagger and that'll take forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> I think it's actually not humanity. It's a little weird that he's not bleeding at the all. The fraternity. Well, his <laughs> heart isn't pumping. He's a vampire thing. This feels almost like desecrating the dead. Does it? He's going to come back and suck I mean, you. I don't know. It gives me the he, it gives me what you call the heebie-jeebies. Ah. I think Phrasma would be very happy with what we're doing right now. Oh, no, now. Phrasma's totally down with this. I'm just saying it's a little weird. Actually, it does the whole uh, vampire the masquerade thing where you chop off his head, but technically, instead of having 10 blood points, he actually has like 30, so it just sprays like a geyser oh, all across yeah. the room. No, because there's no arterial spray. It's supernatural. No. Yeah, I've seen Dracula dead and loving it. Yeah, so we have a Dracula dead and loving moment because, you know, Masika knows where to stand. Don't ask how. This guy doesn't have water. <laughs> That's you, your, you do a quick heel check to just be like, ah, not here. Master, master. I mean, mister, mister. mister. <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, anyway. That movie is so amazingly oh. bad. Speaking of mister, misting. I suppose jokes aside, stake the figure through the heart. Yep. Pull him mostly out of the coffin, lean him over the side of the coffin so that Citra can get a good, you know, angle on basically the back of his neck. One <laughs> clean sweep with the uh, the precision uh, skill of Citra as far as using bladed weapons to hit people in their critical points to lop his head clear off. The body continues to just kind of sit there as I suppose Sudi pulls out a vial of holy water, pours it over his head. The body and the head thrash as his teeth gnash as it begins to burn through the side of the skull like acid. As he bursts into flames? Almost instantaneous. Not flames. It just goes from solid to dust. As if the, in his case, almost 16,000 years of his life catch up to him instantaneously. Nice. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Mm Mm-hmm. Long time coming put my arcane side over what he's got going on in his uh, dusty pile situation here. Sudi will say some rights. He probably doesn't deserve it. And then Phrasma's going to be like, um, excuse you. Who are you now? No, Phrasma is always like, it is a funeral thing. It is a, I have put you back into the natural order of things. You are now moving yeah. on. Yeah, I guess. You don't judge anyone in death. That's the whole thing with Phrasma. She does the judging, not you. I wonder if Osiris can weigh a dusty heart. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Uh, searching his body, if you so wish to. Yes. And taking 10 on a spellcraft, I believe you guys get something ridiculous. A 36. Very well. You're able to identify everything that he's carrying on him. That is, first off, a plus two suit of horn lamellar armor. Horn. Oh. Okay. Hey, lamellar, that's cool. Okay. A plus two vicious battle axe. <laughs> vicious. A cloak of resistance plus two. The shoes of the firewalker. It's just kind of cool. Those are cool. They're a pair of polished red leather low-cut shoes featuring gold eyelets and stitching in a fiery pattern. Fun. Actually, his official artwork has these little ruby slippers on. They're pretty cool. (laughs) In his case, they're kind of like sandals. Uh, They grant the wearer a fire resistance of 10 and allow the wearer to walk atop lava and magma as if subject to water walk. That's cool. That's impressive. So, fun times. Uh, They're worth 21,000 gold. Anybody need some fun boots? Masika has her boots of speed. I'll, I'll take my winged boots over that. I gotta have my cowboy boots, so uh, I got my own fire protection covered. Masika having 10 feet to move around the battlefield is probably, and there's probably not gonna be any more lava in this place. I feel like Hakatep has kept <laughs> I feel things like, very- I, Well, it's also, we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and now we get the shoes to let you walk on the lava. It's like, <laughs> eh. Well, know. it makes sense for him to have them. Oh no, yeah. 100%. Yep, you do all the training in here, you dodge 100 lightning bolts, and you get your ultimate weapon, and then there's nothing else to do with it. Final Fantasy X reference. I've never, ever gotten Lulu's ultimate weapon. Oh, I got it. Uh, Back in the day when you used to do things before trophies. Uh, In addition to this. Never mind, I was going to go on a Final Fantasy (laughs) rant. 
Final Fantasy. That's for our upcoming Final Fantasy podcast, the final podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> is Lulu's weapon in 10 or is Fran's weapon in 12 more annoying to get? Ooh, that's one question. of the episodes. We'll put that up to the fans. I don't play Final Fantasy. Well, that's why <laughs> that you're not on the heart. final podcast. Nope. Uh, finally, you do find a gold unholy symbol of Sekhmet. Well, that makes sense. It's worth 50 gold Ooh. pieces. I mean, Sekhmet's cool. We don't need to, like, it's not like Ergothoa. Yeah, we'll take it. Technically, isn't Sekhmet, is Sekhmet evil or is she neutral? Uh, chaotic neutral. Yeah, so it could be a holy symbol or neutral kind of I worship yeah, we'll this take goddess it. symbol. Yeah. Somebody will buy it. That's all you find. All right, let's go figure out this pyramid thing. All right, pyramid. We go back into the pyramid room. And then we're getting the heck out of here. Yes. I suppose making your way back into the uh, the room of the ruby pyramid. Again, approaching it, looking it over, there is a large pyramid here made of ruby red gemstone covered in hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs surround it on the base. The three walls that surround this alcove are each mostly unadorned, although a small number of hieroglyphs do cover the walls in places. Looking over the pyramid itself, it is a five-foot square, five-foot tall pyramid cut from a single ruby. Yeah. Mm. Whoa. I was waiting for that. That's cool. It is glowing with various orbs that float around it, uh, each one of them the same sh shade of brilliant red, and numerous lines of hieroglyphs that are carved into its surface. All right, what do all the hieroglyphs everywhere say? How to remove stone. Step one. I guess, uh, what is everyone looking at in here? Masika's going to look at the hieroglyphs around the base at the uh, freaking giant ruby that's, you know, worth like a small <laughs> city's income is sitting on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if we could sell it if we wanted to. Go give it to the ruby prince. Here you go, ruby that's prince. Here's, Here's a, a ruby, ruby pyramid. Here, make a throne out of it. It'll be the ruby throne for the ruby prince. The <laughs> ruby is probably an artifact, but I'll detect. Well, I'll look at it with my arcane sight anyway. Okay. Sudi, Citra. Um, I'm going to search the walls of this, just see if, uh, I don't know if there's, uh, any helpful hieroglyphs on here. I mean, I, I'm doubting it. I also don't think there's going to be any secret passages, but I'll check for that too, sure. Okay. Uh, Citra would like to, like, examine the floating orbs, see if there's, like, a pattern or something happening with those. Let's go ahead and make me a... Spellcraft check, you can tell that whatever this is, it's extraordinarily powerful magic and that it is radiating this this strong evocation aura. Hmm. However, you can tell that it is not art an artifact, but there's a strange way that the magic on this is working. I'm going to take 10 for a 36. Go. Oh, wait, I'm an elf. I always forget that. 38, because I'm assuming this is a magic item. So, Hollis, you begin to study this. Look this over. Citra, you look over the various glowing orbs, these motes, they don't appear to have any pattern. Any of them that get close to you, you feel this kind of tingling heat coming off of them, as if they're almost like these embers that are floating around a campfire. Masika, kneeling down around the base of the pyramid, repeated four times on each side, is a simple phrase, open in the name of Hakatep. Sudi, looking over the walls, which is an interesting side note, Hollis could also determine the, mag the walls are magical as well. Not that all the walls in this place aren't magical, That's but the magic true. on them seems to be slightly different from your arcane side. Hmm. Two of the walls, Sudi, only have a small number of hieroglyphs. The third wall, however, has a large number of hieroglyphs covering it. The two walls on the, the far end, opposite of the door, and the wall off towards your right-hand side, simply seem to be a statement informing someone that he has risen and is moving to reclaim his rightful throne. Oh, it's their it's message walls. It's another one of those freaking walls. Yeah. The wall opposite wall. orders a pyramid to fly high above and out of sight of the city of Tefu, while the wall off towards the right orders the same for the city of On. The wall off towards the left orders, uh, in this case you recognize the name as Istkhimhebet, to make her way to the city of Wati confirming that the five-pointed sun has become airborne and ordering it to fly to Wati and issue a demand that the interlopers be offered as sacrifice. Each of your names is recorded here. Wait, okay, so Istakimhabet was not talking to Hakatep directly. She was talking here? Either that or all the walls are tied together so everybody's on the same page. I was like, yeah, it might be, it might be a copy. Like, just so it's kind of an FYI. It's a, it's a literal memo board. Huh. Well, we know that there are pyramids over Wati and on. 
or there were. Tafu and on, yeah. Which we didn't see, which means that they're real high up. That's yeah. well, the order specifically said fly high enough that you can't be seen. Yeah. Uh, it seems that there was a pyramid ordered to both on Tefu and Wati. It seems that the hieroglyphs here match the same ones that you saw inside of the Pyramid of the Five-Pointed Sun, which you dealt with previously. It also appears here that an additional order was issued to a fourth pyramid, informing them to make their way to the city of Wati and be prepared to move. This one also acknowledges the lack of contact with General Istakampabet. Mm. So they sent one to check on her. Yeah, seems like. Great. Uh, so we took down a pyramid, and they just sent another one. Well, he has 15 of well, them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. He also used to have a huge empire, so you'd think he'd have a lot more places to go, but... I'm surprised probably it's not just a pyramid at Sothis. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. There very well might be. Yeah, I was going to say, there could be. Well, the orders aren't here. There's there. This only mm. accounts for four pyramids. There's still, what, ten more? Yeah, but you'd have to tell them to go places. Oh, well... Hollis, especially since you're looking this over, to go ahead and make me an intelligence roll. Actually, I'll allow the entire party to make me an intelligence roll. Can Narmer make an intelligence roll? Yes. I got a 13 for a 21. I got a uh, 16 21. for a 16. <laughs> Did you nat 20 that? No, I rolled a 19 for Narmer, though. <laughs> hey, that's good. Please let Narmer be the insightful one on this. Masika rolls an 18, which gets her a 19. Narmer rolls a 19, which gets him a 21. Nice. He's actually smarter than Masika. I did not beat Narmer anyway. I rolled a 15 for an 18. <laughs> so Narmer goes off, is sitting off to the side doing some math, kind of verbally going, okay, pyramid, 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 pyramid. In the meantime, like Hollis has all the uh, the floating mathematical numbers around her head. <laughs> and Hollis probably comes to this realization basically at the same time that Narmer finishes, like the little egg timer goes off, tick, 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 king. <laughs> it would not be like a pharaoh to also be a general. If uh -huh. this man was acting as a general and as a pyramid here and the surrounding walls, and you believe as you're looking this over that this pyramid is connected to the magical power of the flying pyramids, each pyramid has four sides. And you know that other than the flying pyramid of Hakatep, Hakatep had 16 additional flying pyramids. So each controls four. Yes. And there are a total of four wings here. Mm. So four elemental pyramids. Each one tied to four pyramids, probably also tied to the same element, much like the dark fire that was being shot forth from the pyramid over Wati. Mm. The five it's quite sun. possible that each one of the other pyramids are, in essence, in four groups of four are tied to the four elemental planes. Wow. Hmm. I mean, that's cool, but wow, dude. Talk about going the extra mile. Good grief. All right. Well, the He's fire squad is down here in the south. Yeah. Hollis, oh, looking this over. Then the fire pyramids attacked. Yep, everything was going just fine. Hollis, <laughs> looking this over, you can determine what the function of this is. Oh, good. This is a device that you believe, based on your understanding of its magic, in essence works as a control pyramid. Again, when you were in the five-pointed sun, there was the large, complicated device there that you guys got a chance to kind of look at but not really mess with. You believe that that is connected to this. Again, when you were there, you realized that it wasn't a power source. It was a receptacle. This is the transmitter. It seems like the pyramid here actually generates the aromatic infundibulum and then transmits that power from inside of Hakatep's Great Pyramid to the smaller pyramids that you faced previously. Can we oh. steer them? No, no. If we, if we figure out how to turn all of these off... All the other pyramids fall out of the sky. Yeah, but we yeah, don't but want we them need to fall to... in the cities. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be ideal if we could tell them to land. You are aware the general in this chamber, in this previous case, the um, Nosferatu, Nosferatu, could issue orders from here using the surrounding walls <laughs> to transmit <laughs> the orders to the various attack pyramids. You could wow. not control them directly. But we could tell them. But instead could simply issue the orders to them, which would then function akin to the surrounding walls here. Uh, magic communication devices like the one you found in the Five-Pointed Sun. <laughs> okay. In addition to that, you can use these in one of two ways. The first off is, this pyramid seems to be somehow tied to the protection surrounding Hakatep's inner sanctum. It looks like it needs an activation phrase. That probably has something to do with Hawk the phrase that's on the bottom. Yeah. In addition to that, secondly, the control pyramids can be used to transmit power to the flying pyramids 
or cut it off. Doing so is difficult. So mechanically speaking, uh, would require the actual general to activate it or Oops. someone exceptionally skilled at impersonating magical effects or basically using magic items the way that they're not intended to be used. None of us have a high enough use magic device. I have a 26 I use magic device. Because I, I mean, use intelligence for mine. We need to give them an order that To leave the cities alone. Yeah, like, leave this, like, regroup, like, some sort of... Something that wouldn't seem like... Well, we know Hakatep wanted them to go to the city, so it's like, maybe do a holding pattern, like, you know, two miles outside of the city, you know, and then when we bring them down, they're far enough outside of the city that they're probably not going to land on anything. I mean, this this might be shooting ourselves in the foot. What if we were just like... The Great Pyramid has been grounded. The interlopers are here. Regroup at our the location. The only problem with that is when we bring down this pyramid, it might not. The undead that are populating these other pyramids aren't just gonna go poof. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of my yeah. thought. Was like if we drop them here, they'll all come attack us. Then it's a long, long, long walk for them to get anywhere useful. They could all just come kill us. Yeah, but depending on how fast these pyramids fly and how many days it takes us to clear this out, they could be here before we finish dealing with Hakatep. Yeah, that was yeah. my concern, yeah, when I was thinking <laughs> about that. I was like, I mean, this sounds like a really cool idea to try to isolate them, but yeah. I, outside the city's not bad. I mean, again, when you called down this pyramid, it got here pretty quick. Yeah, the thing is, we, we're going to have to deactivate this or do something with this because it's the key to Hakatep Sanctum, and I'm wondering if with it is going to bring down those other pyramids. This is the last thing we're doing today. So we give the order, we wait an amount of time that we think makes sense. Then we deactivate those pyramids, activate the thing that will let us into the inner sanctum, and then leave. Does anybody have a map of Osirian? Sudi would not have one on him. Yeah, I'm wondering if if we want to mess with this before we rest, though, because if we mess with it, would it notify anybody else in this pyramid? They know we're here. They know we're here. There's no way they don't know we're here. I'm actually kind of amazed there isn't a message that says they're in the pyramid or they're they coming to the pyramid. They came out and said, hello, please do these trials. He's waiting for us. Yeah, He's- so like there's no way he doesn't know. I mean, it'd be one of those, okay, so we issue the orders and then we hop into Hollis's mansion, which is going to be the only quasi even safe way to attempt to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And then when we get up in the morning, we hope the pyramids are where they are and do what we have to do to get this thing to open the door for to Hakatep. Masika has a 26 in survival. Is that going to be enough for me to pretty much be able to issue a place outside of On and outside of Wati and outside of Tefu for these pyramids to be that they shouldn't freaking land on anything, you know, well, Okay, so people? notably, they're not using coordinates when they're communicating here. They're using landmarks. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, okay. you know, you could just say... You know, head east of the pyramids to the, you know, the pyramid of the, I can't remember, Devour or whatever it is. That's the crazy Rovagug Pharaoh pyramid that's outside of On and head west five or six miles outside of Tefu. But yeah, so essentially we can just pick the three places that make sense and tell yeah. them to land. And Ideally places orders. that existed at the time because we don't know really where Hakatep's pyramid has been, but I don't know if he's got an updated map per se. It's gonna yeah. be the best. It's gonna be the best that hey, we know there's pretty much nothing, like it's pretty much isn't it to the south of Wati that it just opens up into this freaking desert. So we tell them go five miles south of Wati. Yeah, there's it's basically like the there's nothing until you hit the um oh gosh what's the mountain range between Baron Peaks? Yeah, yeah, the Baron. So Peaks. I guess we'll tell them to go in a direction that we know is pretty well abandoned because it's desert. Once they get far enough outside the city. Mm-hmm. and tell them to go to those places, like, you know, five or six miles outside of each city Okay. in a certain direction. There are three steps to this. Step number one, which is the one that we can just kind of skip here. I believe all of you, all of you speak and understand and all the rest of that stuff, ancient Osiriani, which is all, yes. all this is written in. Yes. The second one is you're telling them to fly outside of there or are you telling them to land? Well, if we're going to bring them down, we want to bring them down. So maybe we're having them hover. Honestly, if we just tell them to go outside the five miles outside the city and freaking land, and then when we take this thing off, they can't raise up again anyway. Yeah, but if they fall, they might take damage, and that might be good. Yeah. But keep in mind, it will also kick up one heck of a vibrate, you know, an explosion. Will it be weird if we ask them to land? Allow me to get to the third part, 
which one of you is going to make the bluff check to make this sound reasonable? Noting Not that it. telling someone to give up aerial superiority, which is the entire yeah. thing that Hakatep is behind. That's, that's why I think they yeah. have to stay in the air. Will make it a less believable lie. Yeah, that's why I say stay in the air. We crash them. What's everybody's bluff check? Four. A zero? Five. Narmer's got a 12. I'll come oh up with Oh my it. god. My right. loyal subjects. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but is he going to play a joke on them or is he going to be serious? This is a very serious moment. Yeah, well, he knows to be serious. All right. So, right yeah. now I'll be serious, unless I can, like, I don't know, remember Narmer. where some shavers are out in the desert and just happen to have a pyramid fall on them? Shaves are bright. Well, that's not, not serious. Yep. The look right. on their face. So I guess we'll tell them to go certain directions outside of the city and just wait for further Man, tell orders. Tell them to maintain readiness. That sounds yeah. believable, right? It's one of those, hey, make it sound like Hakatep's getting ready to actually, you know, freaking do, do something. Edit, something. Yeah. Okay. I will need Narmer to make three bluff checks because you're ordering three separate pyramids. Do we Ouch. need to make something to make this work? Or is it just going to let us Oh, this? no, you can just write on the walls. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, wait, we wrote on the walls before. Yeah. All those messages that you wrote on the wall would actually be in here. <laughs> Man, we haven't done anything with bluff like this entire adventure. This is not a lying party. <laughs> we are not the lying party. My dearest pyramid fringe. Narmer. Yes. Make it serious. Make it Make sound it show. like the, Maybe we should tell him what to say. Isn't that coming I, up with what you're saying is bluff the bluff check? check? Yeah. <laughs> nope, nope. That doesn't sound good enough. Yeah, that actually is the bluff check. It's coming oh. up with what to say, yeah, which is exactly. what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> Impersonating someone is also a bluff check. All right. He rolls a 13 for the first roll, which gets him a 25. He rolls a 19 for the second roll, which is a 31. And his last roll is a 16 for 28. Okay. I've sent the orders. Is there a confirmation or anything, or the, are we just hoping and praying? Oh, wait, that's way higher. What? This is why I'm looking up Narmer's, like, freaking abilities. What? At third level, he gets glib comedy, which means he adds half of my mas uh, half of Masika's level to bluff, disguise, and perform checks. Yes, so half of 15 is, is seven, so each of those rolls should be three higher. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys get taking 10 on his sense motive? 25? 29. Haha. Ha. 19. <laughs> I mean, they, they look similar. I mean, he is technically a robot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's he true. should theoretically be able to, like, mathematically see this and Wiggle do it. Wiggle room in clockworks. He's not That's digital. True. He's analog. Fortunately, there's no, like, pictures of puppies upside down or, like, please identify which one of these has a train. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said technically. You're technically correct. Best kind of correct. The best kind of correct. Should I mansion us up in here? Because then if anybody's watching the entrance to this place, they won't think we have left. They'll think maybe their buddy here is still alive. They won't let those pyramids know stuff. I don't know. Am I the only one that thinks it's weird that there's not an exit to like a central connecting area for all of these elemental sections? We haven't found a way like out. I feel like this was designed so that they go in and they don't come out. Yeah, these are like challenges. I mean, they can phrase it that way, but really, there's only one way in, one way out. They're supposed to go in, and then they, they're all undead. They just stay here I'm and sure guard the place. it is a place. tomb. If there are it's four doors, one of them eventually has to lead them to the central chambers, yes? Yeah, but they're on the outside. There's no inside way to get there. But what do they care? They can just fly. And you know from Nahamra that you can access Hakatep's inner sanctum through the Temple of Air. Yeah, uh, that needs right. to be the last right. one, probably. Which yeah. is probably going to be the highest one up, so we should Most probably likely, say that yeah. one last. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I guess, uh, yeah, if Hollis wants to cast her mansion, Masika's going to hang around out here for a little while just to see if any more writing shows up on the wall. Yep, uh, Hollis will cast her mansion in here. I will go inside immediately because it is hot and gross in this room. So uh, Masika waiting outside. Uh, yeah, there is eventually a response on each one of these three walls that simply acknowledges the orders given. Yes. Sweet. Nice. After that, Masika will head in and, yeah, take a bath, relax. All of you can uh, rest, clean yourselves up, all the rest of that stuff, get your eight hours of rest eventually, considering that it's still actually uh, only, like, noon. 
So you hang out for a while. Think yeah. about our lives, de- decompress and prepare ourselves for the next element. Yeah, I bet you were probably like discussing like what kind of things we might see in the other temples and try to prepare. We should pick what element we want to go for next. That well, too. we don't know which one they are. That's we randomly picked one. I wonder if we can get a clue from the doors. Like, didn't this door seem fiery? I mean, there is a there balor was yeah, on there it. was a balor on it. So yeah, so maybe we can do something with that. I don't know, but we should definitely save air for last because we know that Agreed. one's next to the higher chambers. Yeah, I mean, again, you're assuming that air is going to be the highest up one. Yeah. Did Hollis know exactly how this pyramid, the ruby pyramid works, or is it just, hey, you th- it does this? You have to basically use magic device to control it. There is an alternative to that, which is this is not an artifact. You could feasibly just destroy it. But you don't know how it actually interacts with uh, Hakatep's entrance. You're just aware that uh, you can use them to activate one of the elemental hieroglyphs to access the inner sanctum by speaking a command phrase. Well, since I've got the time and we're about to rest, uh, Mystique is just going to cast Legend Lore, figure out how this thing freaking works so we don't blow it up in our face. Also, I think that the, the key phrase is like Ramos. Doesn't it talk about the name of the Pharaoh? The name of the Pharaoh? Well, but he would not have used that name as Pharaoh. If it was a secret hidden It's one of those, like, nobody knows password. what Pope John Paul's original name was because he'd take a new name when he became Pope, you know? So that'd be a great internet security password. You're not wrong. Casting Legend Lore on this... Uh, taking 1d4 times 10 minutes to cast it, focusing on this. Sudia, watch over her while she's doing this. Because I rolled a four, so Mystique is hanging out for 40 Oof. minutes in this trance. That's why vision is much better, but it's faster, but I'm fatigued afterwards. Legend well, yeah. you're not. You use your incense worth 250 gold. I use my sphinx. Use your sphinx Little worth sphinx. way more than 250 gold. Worth a lot more. I think it'd like break that open and bring someone back from the dead or something. I can't remember. No, that's the Anubis thing. Oh, that's the Anubis thing. Yeah. We have a lot of things to bring you back from the dead. So checking this over, uh, you're aware of the following. Uh, much akin to what Hollis is aware of, you're aware that this is one of the four elemental seals for the um, door to the inter sanctum. That it also connects and deactivates one of the elemental storms guarding the inner sanctum. Elemental storm? Oh, storms you elemental say. Elemental storm, yes. So it must be a, an impenetrable storm you have to go through. It's probably like interlocking barriers of fire, lightning. Why were Chisitek and Hakatep so flipping extra? Yeah. Yep. Uh, however, deactivating both the glyph as well as the elemental storm is relatively simple. Uh, one must simply touch the peak of the pyramid and recite the words inscribed around the pyramid's base. Oh, oh well, that's super easy. Oh, well, all right. Open in the name of Hakatep. Uh, secondly, you're aware that you can uh, set the pyramids can be used to sever the power of the flying attack pyramids uh, under their command. It will uh-huh. only do it for the four pyramids directly related to it. Um, this is a more difficult task. You must first assert control over the control pyramid. That will put the control pyramid into reprogram mode. This will last for about <laughs> two minutes. During this time, its function can be altered. Uh, to shut off the flow power to the deactivated control pyramid, you will have to succeed as a use magic device check. Uh, alternatively, you can attempt to deactivate a control pyramid with a um, disabled device check. Uh, this can be done even when the pyramid isn't in its, uh, in essence, reprogram mode, but the DC is higher. Mm-hmm. So wow. in essence, you could disable device it. Huh. Um, if the check to deactivate a pyramid fails, the pyramid can't be put back into the quote-unquote reprogram mode again until 12 hours has passed. Uh, if all else fails, the pyramid can be physically destroyed. However, this is extraordinarily dangerous as each one of these pyramids is also directly linked to the elemental plane of which it channels its power from. <laughs> Meaning Great. that every time you strike it will also blast out, unleashing a current and a blast of magical energy, unerringly targeting the creature that damaged it. Oh, yeah. So uh, don't do that. If you could turn into a fire elemental and then beat it to death, that would work. Yeah. yeah. But it's still, it, it is a solid gemstone, so good luck cracking it. It takes no damage from elemental attacks, except for elemental attacks of the opposite element from which the energy is. <laughs> but when you do that, it still blasts out and It hits still blasts you, right? off fire yeah. in every direction when you do it. <laughs> uh, it is much easier if you just deactivate it. Fair enough. Yeah, let's do uh, that. Deactivating or destroying the uh, pyramid will cause the linked four, te- the four pyramids it controls to plummet to the ground. Now, does that reactivate, or is it done when it's... If you order it to turn off? Yeah. It's turned off. Unless somebody comes over here and turns it back on again. So it's like a little arc reactor. (laughs) Ray, don't punch the arc reactor. Fair. It's pretty cool. 
But I suppose you all rest up for the evening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pray, regain your spells, relax. Sudi does a little workout routine, all the rest of that. Hollis reads her spell books. Basika plays around with Narmer. Cetra uses her manicure set to make sure her feet are in good condition. That would be a pedicure set. Pedicure set. I apologize. If it is not obvious, I don't exactly uh, live the mani-pedi lifestyle. I have been trying to get you to go get a pedicure. (laughs) I suppose you awaken the next day, step out. Uh, Are you activating this? We're going to start by activating it, and then we're going to reprogram it. Doing the Hakatep key part, and then we're going to tell those other pyramids to fall right out of the freaking sky. Okay. Kaboom. Uh, Who's uh, activating it? Definitely not Sudi. I guess Masika will reach out and touch the top of the pyramid. Can she even reach it? <laughs> it's, it's five feet high, so you have to kind of stand on your toe Sudi. and really reach out there. Sudi. Sudi, like, comes behind you, grabs you around the waist, and just lifts her up like a small okay, child. Sudi is 5'4". Yeah, Sudi is 5'4". Sudi also has a 22 strength, so he, like, he grabs her and just, like, lifts uh, no, her. No, what you do is you get on your knee, and she just stands on your knee. But it's funnier if yeah, I lift her like a small child. Like a small child putting the star and on the Christmas tree. And then she'll reach out yeah, exactly. and, you know, touch the tip of the pyramid <laughs> with one of her fingers. Open in the name of Hakatep. And then she kind of winces, just, you know, like, eh? <laughs> light descends down. Oh. Uh-oh. Like a red beam of light from the pinnacle of the pyramid in four waves following along the intersections of the flat planes that make up this pyramid down into the floor. You feel a soft vibration from somewhere very remote and distant. And we'll pick it up here next time. They know we're here now. Well, they knew we were here. They they really know we're here. I don't worry about it. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyrighted 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.